Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us on this episode today of This Week in the Word. This is for Sunday, the 18th of July, 2021. Well, let's get right to it. I'm glad you're here, and hopefully this is... uh, not the first time you've been here, but if it is, I hope that you'll follow and subscribe. And if you do that, you'll be notified every time there's a new podcast posted. So let's go right to it today. We're in a series we've been in for just a few weeks now entitled Matthew's Messiah. Today's episode is entitled Large and in Charge. And of course, that's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most action-packed chapters of Matthew's gospel is the one we're going to look at today in Matthew chapter 4. We see the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, launch his public ministry as the chosen, as the Christ, the Messiah that the Old Testament prophets had long pointed to. This is who Jesus Christ is. John Maxwell said in a conference I was at, when you are given command, take it. (laughs) I like that. Here's the thing, though. Jesus Christ was already in command. He didn't need to be told and he didn't need permission to take charge. He is the largest one. Everyone knew that he was in charge and many loved him and many didn't. Satan being chiefest among those that did not. I want to correct something that we often see in movies about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. For some reason, a lot of those movies, which are are very good, uh, otherwise very good, some of them seem to portray the Lord Jesus Christ as uncertain about who he was or why he came. I want to tell you, that's absolutely wrong. There was no self-doubt about his Messiahship. For him, there was no slowly realizing who he was. And in his public ministry, there was no small, insignificant ministry. What we're going to see here in Matthew chapter 4 is a large-scale invasion of enemy-held territory by the kingdom of heaven and the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to see a beach assault at the crossroads of Africa, Europe, and Asia. And the final result will be total devastating destruction for the kingdom of Satan. That's what we're going to see in chapter 4 of the Gospel of Matthew. Now, many times in preparing each week for each episode, I will consult perhaps a few commentaries. I, I read here and there, and I put together my own thoughts as I study what others have seen. So I'm not copying anybody's outline or anything like that. I I make my own butter, so to speak. All right, now, this week, I didn't do that at all. 
But I did do what I've often been doing for a couple of years now, and that is listening to whatever I'm going to teach or preach on, listening to it, I mean literally listening to someone read it over and over. I haven't counted, but I probably have heard chapter 4 of Matthew probably, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 times this week. Now, I use an app called BibleGateway.com. It's free. And you not only can read the Bible there, but the, the app, I think it is, I may be getting this mixed up, but I believe it's through the app that you can actually listen to it read. And I listened to a great old English chap read it, and it is so cool. <laughs> but I listen over and over, and I started doing that because I heard the verse, not for the first time, but I just heard it in a different way, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I thought, I'm going to literally start doing that. It's, it's been great. You should do that as well. Of course, I've read the Bible many times, and, and you have as well, hopefully. Now, in listening, I began to realize there were so many events contained in this one chapter. And I numbered them in various ways, but I think I finally felt comfortable in saying that there are eight events immediately following the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that in last week's episode when Christ came and was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, not because he needed it, but in order to identify with us who definitely need salvation and uh, he was openly proclaimed by John the Baptist, by the Holy Spirit, and by God the Father as being the Son in whom he is well pleased. So there is zero doubt of any kind that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Now, if you're from a Jewish background, one thing you're going to be stunned by if you stay with us, not only today, but in coming weeks and what we've already covered, is Matthew writes initially for the Jewish reader. And he shows how the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled prophecy after prophecy from the Old Testament of what the Messiah would be and do. And Jesus just fulfilled those. And Matthew brings those out, and we'll see that even today. But these are the eight events immediately following the baptism of Christ by John in the Jordan. And that would have been in the uh, toward the Dead Sea region of Israel, not too very far from Jerusalem. That's going to be important here later, so just hang on to that. So he's been in the south of what we would call Israel today at the Jordan before it flows into the Dead Sea and he was baptized by John. So here are the eight things that happened immediately following his baptism. Number one, and we'll see all of these today, number one was he was victorious in his wilderness testing by Satan. And we'll see that in verses one through seven. The second thing is we see that he spent 40 days and 40 nights in fasting in the wilderness, and that reminds us 
of Moses in the Old Testament in Exodus 34, verse 28, where we read there, and he was there, talking about Moses, and he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. And he did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights fasting to introduce the Old Testament, uh, the Old Covenant. And here we see Christ, the mediator of a better covenant, the New Covenant, and he spends 40 days and 40 nights in fasting as he cuts a new covenant between God and man, and he cuts that in his own body, as we'll see at the cross. So here they are again, eight events, and we've done two of them. Victorious in the wilderness, testing by Satan, verses one through seven. Number two, 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. That's in verse two. Then we'll see, number three, that John the Baptist was in prison, and when that happened, Jesus fulfills prophecy by moving to Capernaum. And if you get out maps of your Bible, you'll see that Jesus moved immediately when he knew John had been arrested by King Herod. He moved immediately to the north of Israel to what we know of as the Sea of Galilee. All right, so he put a lot of distance between himself and Jerusalem. That's gonna be important. And we see that in verses 12 through 16. Number four, he began to preach and teach repentance because the kingdom of God was at hand. That is exactly the same preaching of John the Baptist. And we see that in verse 17 where he went into the synagogues of the Israel, the Jewish people, and he preached the kingdom of heaven and he preached repentance. Same exact message as John the Baptist. Number five, he publicly calls his inner circle of disciples. Peter and Andrew, James and John are called. Now, the, the real inner circle was Peter, James and John, but Andrew and Peter are brothers. So he calls those four. They are the first disciples of the, that we think of as the 12 disciples. He calls them there at the Sea of Galilee. We'll see that. Number six, there is a massive, or let me put it this way, massively explosive international ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just hanging around the Sea of Galilee. His fame spreads far and wide, and you can read about that with me in a few minutes in Matthew 23 to 25. So there's nothing small about what we're going to see. Number seven, he instantly and fully healed all types of diseases. Now, I don't think this had ever been done ever before in world history and probably not since, unless it was done in the name of Jesus, amen? Number eight, he proves his authority by freeing people from demonic possession. Those that the devil through his fallen angels, they were indwelling many people in that region. 
They still do today. Christ came and cast them out and freed those people. That shows who's in charge. Amen? Well, let's go to Matthew 4, and let's read through verses 1 through 25. And I will make probably some comments here and there. So if you have a Bible, you can read with me. If you don't, just listen intently, and I believe the Lord will encourage you and lift you up today, and maybe some of you will see Jesus Christ for who he really is, the chosen, the Messiah, promised by the Old Testament prophets. All right, Matthew 4, let's get going. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And in our parlance today, we might say, say what? (laughs) Why do I say that? Because in Matthew 3, we saw that not only did John testify uh, to Jesus as Messiah, and we see that in the, you know, the larger Gospels, but the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove and remained on him, and that's what John saw. And John knew for certain Jesus was the Messiah. And a voice was heard, which was God the Father, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. All of that happened in Matthew chapter 3. But here in verse 1, like the very next verse after chapter 3, then it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit led Jesus Christ, the Son, into the wilderness for a reason. What is that? To be tempted of the devil. That is to be tested. Now, the Spirit of God does not lead us into temptation. Okay? We know that. But here, Jesus is going to be put to the acid test, so to speak, to prove he is the real Messiah. So we're going to see that as we go forward. Verse 2, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. So he experienced true hunger after these 40 days and 40 nights. And um, I don't know if you've ever fasted. I'm not a great faster, but I have, and probably many of you have. Three days is all I have ever done. The Lord Jesus Christ fasted 40 days and 40 nights, just like Moses. And we see that Satan came when he was in a state of uh, relative physical weakness, being the God-man Jesus' body was hungry, and so he was in a weaker position. And that's often when Satan will attack us. Can I get a witness? Amen. Verse 3, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So he was trying to attack him at the literally at the physical, the hunger level. Now notice that every time a temptation is made by Satan to put him to the test, to try to get him to choose 
to sin. Every time Christ answers with the word of God. But I want you to think about something. Is that is true, but in an even greater way is that there was no possibility Jesus Christ was going to listen to Satan because Jesus as the God-man is completely following the will of his Father. Do you see that? Verse 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Verse 5, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, that, that would be Jerusalem, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Now you need to know this, that temple was huge. So he was many stories above street level. So this is where, don't ask, I don't know how Satan did this, all right? And we're not told. We don't need to know that kind of stuff. But Christ was placed on the highest point of the temple. Verse 6, And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, and now Satan's quoting scripture, Woo! For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands shall they bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So we are not to deliberately um, test God in things that he has made very clear. Does that make sense? So Jesus deals with this like, Satan was just tempting him to like, hey, show everybody that you're the Son of God by doing something, uh, you know, as, as a having a physical body would be foolish. You, you see what he's saying here? And sometimes Satan probably tempts us in that way. Well, Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now you can look up in commentaries and find what the all the great minds of the centuries have written about this and they they outline it and break it down really well, but that's not how Matthew presented it. He just tells us what happened. So if you want to see it in greater detail, then you can look in commentaries. Verse 8, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now let me ask you a question. We know that by this time, Satan has rebelled against his creator God. We know that. He used to be known as Lucifer. He was the leader of worship in heaven, Pride filled his heart. He sinned. He tried to take the place of God and receive the worship of God. And God has uh, declared war on Satan. We all should know that. All right, now, and he's going to lose. <laughs> That's what that whole 
invasion of heaven is about, where Christ has come to put an end to him and put all of this down completely. Now, here's what Satan is right now. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of this world. He may have been bluffing a little bit that he could give all of this to Jesus because we don't know a lot about all of this. But, the, but at least the offer was made, all of these, all these things will I give thee. Sort of like, you don't have to go to the cross to rule the world, I'll, I'll give you all of this. Now here is the thing, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. You know who should have been falling down and worshiping right here? Satan should have been, because it's too late for him. Jesus Christ is God. But Satan is trying to deter him from the cross, dying to pay the price of our sins. And can you imagine what would have happened eternally if the Lord Jesus Christ had chosen to go with any of these suggestions? We would all be hopelessly lost in our sin. But that idea that, that Jesus Christ is God should fall down and worship Satan, that's never going to happen. It wasn't going to happen then, and it will never, ever happen. Verse 10, Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Nobody should be worshiping Satan. Period. End of discussion. Verse 11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now, do you know what we have just seen here? We have seen Christ authenticated as the Messiah, as God come in human form. He has passed the test. You know why diamonds are tested? To prove they're real. Gold is tested to prove it is real. Jesus was tested to prove that he really is the Messiah and he passed the test. Amen. Jesus Christ, Matthew's Messiah, he is large and in charge. And you better know that. Amen. Now, verse 12. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he was cast into prison by Herod Antipas, he departed into Galilee. So when he heard that John was now locked up, and Jesus knew how that was going to turn out, and I wondered today as I thought about this, you know, did, did Satan make that happen at that point because he couldn't get to Jesus. Did you know that people will often attack you when they're really trying to attack God, but they can't get to God, but because you believe in God, they attack you? That goes on all the time. And that may have been well what happened here. Satan couldn't get to Jesus but he could sure move government 
to cast John the Baptist into prison. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. So if you have your maps out, the Bible maps, you can see that he begins to make his way from the south at the Jordan River where John was baptizing, not too far from Jerusalem, just above the Dead Sea. And he makes his way north, probably following along the Jordan River, maybe. I'm not sure of the path. So he makes his way to uh, Nazareth, which was his hometown, I believe. And we're going to see, we see that in verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. Now let's just stop right there for a minute. So it may be, apparently, he went back to Nazareth. But here, that would be leaving his family, right? Because now he is following the public ministry that his father has laid out for him. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Naphtalim, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, that's Isaiah, by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Amen. So Jesus fulfills this Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah that Isaiah had given. This further points to Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Listen, if you're Jewish today, open your heart and perk up your ears. Jesus Christ is the Messiah you've been looking for. And not only to the Jewish people, he is the savior of the world to all who will come to him in repentance and faith. So Jesus leaves Nazareth after he finds out that John has been in prison, John the Baptist, and he goes to the Sea of Galilee area to a town called Capernaum. Now there's a reason he went there. It not only fulfilled prophecy, but there's something that's about to happen. But uh, we're getting ahead of myself here. All right, let's go to verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And friends, word for word, that is exactly what John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness. Same exact message. Verse 18, And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Verse 21, And going on from thence, 
he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, let me tell you something about what we just read. I believe from the other Gospels that Simon and Andrew and James and John were not strangers at this point to the Lord Jesus Christ. But here, he issues a public call for them to leave all of that behind and follow him as a disciple. Now, to any Jewish man, it was a very high honor for a teacher to call them to be a disciple. That was a great honor. So when they were so honored by the Lord Jesus Christ, they followed him. There's an old saying that I heard at a conference years ago as a Jewish saying, and the saying goes like this. Uh, let's see. May the dust of your rabbi be upon you. Now think about what that means. As Peter and Andrew and James and John and the other disciples followed the Lord Jesus Christ, they were to follow him so closely that even the very dust of walking down the road would be on their feet and their clothing. That they were that close to their rabbi, their teacher. And that's what Jesus called them to do, to learn from him and to follow his footsteps. So they followed him. So here, the Lord Jesus Christ Think about what has happened all very quickly. He has established Capernaum as his headquarters, so to speak, his base of operations for this assault to free the earth from the grip of Satan, sin, and death. And in Capernaum, he sees the four people that will be the first four disciples, and they will all, by the way, be apostles as well. But he forms that disciple band with these first four. So now he has those he is imparting his message and his good news to. And they get to learn from him. And they will in turn spread that same message, not only before the cross and when he would send them out preaching, but especially after the cross and the resurrection when they took his gospel to the world. So we see that, that they began to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee. So it wasn't just Capernaum, that whole region. Think of Galilee as a state. He covered the state, right? Teaching in their synagogues. You know, I kind of laugh inside when I hear people sometimes say, well, uh, you know, my place of worship is worshiping God on the golf course on Sunday morning. Yeah, right. What other lies can you tell? <laughs> At this time in his ministry, if you wanted to find the Lord Jesus Christ, 
he would have been easy to find. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Ed? Because he was teaching in their synagogues. You would have gone to a synagogue and perhaps on Sabbath, on Saturday, and that may have been the synagogue where the Lord Jesus was teaching on that Sabbath day. He was teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis. That's what the 10 cities were called. So a massive region. And from Jerusalem, you know, the capital city, hello. And from Judea, the the region that Jerusalem was located in. And from beyond Jordan. I mean, even on the other side, the Gentile side of the Jordan River, this is not a tiny little operation that was barely noticed. This was an explosive, massive ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew's Messiah, where he is large and in charge and proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Today, I want to ask you a question as we close. Have you repented of your sin, placed your faith in the risen Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah, trusted Him as your Savior and Lord, that what He did on the cross, His blood was shed, it paid the price in full for your sin, And then when he rose again, literally, bodily, physically from the grave on the third day, complete victor over sin, death, hell, and the grave, that that proved that God the Father accepted his blood sacrifice and it is enough to pay the price for your sin. Have you received that Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've not done that, listen to what Jesus Christ preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God calls you today to place your full faith and trust in the living Lord Jesus Christ. If you have already done that, then you need to draw a line in the sand in your life and say, from this day forward, I will live for the kingdom of heaven and I will serve Jesus Christ alone. If you need help making a faith decision in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can call this number. Now, you won't call me, but someone will help you when you call this phone number. Eight. Seven seven two four seven two four two six. 
877-247-2426. Or you can go to chataboutjesus.com. Chataboutjesus.com. With Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out instead of following Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell. You can follow Jesus Christ and be welcomed into heaven and eternity with him. I pray that if you've never done that, you will do that today. And if you already know him as your Savior and Lord, that this will be a reboot, a relaunch of your life for the Christ that you love and serve. Serve him from now on forever, no matter what. I invite you to be a missionary and tell other people about This Week in the Word. They can listen free anytime, anywhere in the world at dredhill.podbean.com. Thank you for listening. Share this with somebody. Subscribe and follow it. And every time we post a new episode, you'll be alerted to that. Thank you for listening. I look forward to preaching again in the next episode. God bless you. Bye-bye.